law, the peace of loving God's law. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pause to pray because I hunger for the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in the preaching of your word today. I ask, Lord, that you would help us to listen, Lord, on purpose, that we may receive what we need from you and your word today that will help us in this life to live a life of peace, a life of godliness, a life of contentment. And I thank you, Lord, for the good singing, the good music this morning. I pray that you've received honor and glory from it. Now, Lord, I pray that you bless the preaching in Jesus' name. Amen. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. We're going to take just a few moments and define some of the words so we can understand the passage. First of all, the word offend is literally to make stumble. To make stumble. It could be the word trip. You don't trip on purpose. A stumble or a trip is typically accidental or caused by another uh, without your approval <clears throat> to stumble, uh, to trip. And so the Bible says, Great peace have they uh, which love thy law, and nothing shall cause them to stumble. Nothing shall cause them to be tripped. The Bible says then uh, that uh, great peace have they which love thy law. The word love here means to rest assured in. It means to rest assured. I know that God's law is true. I know it's true even if I don't understand it. It is true. I know that it is true because it is God's Law, not man's. You understand God's law has never been amended one time in all of life since creation. God's word stands. It is forever settled in heaven. The word of God is eternal. Things eternal do not get old. They are simply eternal. So great peace have they which love or those that have come to the place that they've decided to believe in, to trust in God's law. The word law means concrete. It means unchanging. Understand in many law schools today, there is a class that is taught on evolutionary law. Now, that is an impossibility. Uh, that's like you, it can either be changing or unchanging, and God's law is not evolutionary. What it was, it is. What it is, it was. It never changes. And that class is taught to indoctrinate a group of folks to believe that the Constitution is a changing document, or in words easy to understand, it means the Constitution means anything you want it to say. The Bible doesn't mean what you want it to say. It means what God meant it to say. That's what it means. It is unchanging. So the Bible said that those who decide to love, those who decide to trust, those who are assured in God's word, they are protected. They have peace against the fiery darts of Satan. 
their feet are guided, their feet are guarded so that they would not fall or they would not be tripped or they would not be offended. Now the work of Satan is to get us to be offended or to stumble at his words. It's interesting how many times in our day that folks not only stumble on the obvious word of God, but they try to change it, making it to say something different, thus causing many uh, to stumble. That's the work of the devil. That's what he began doing when he went into the Garden of Eden and he said to Eve, Has God said? And he caused her to not believe God and he caused her to be offended or to stumble or to trip. And uh, of course, uh, the Bible says, Wherefore, as by one man, Adam's sin, uh, death entered into the world. And it says, All men have sinned. That's the work of the devil. He has not stopped since the day in the garden working to trip up or to offend or cause men to stumble at what he said confused against what God said. Are you with me this morning? So we think of the word offended. The Lord Jesus warned folks. He said said it would be better for a man that would uh, it would be better for a man to have a millstone tied around his neck and that millstone cast into the sea. It'd be better for him to do that than to offend one little child. The word offend there would mean, and we use it a lot today, hurting our feelings. That's not what it's talking about. The word offended means to stumble. So to cause a child to stumble. And what Jesus is talking about in that passage, anybody that would trip someone up about Jesus. May I say this morning, every child, every boy and girl in this nation ought to know that God not only is the creator of the world, but that Jesus is the savior of mankind. It's better for a man uh, that a millstone were tied about his neck and it cast into the sea uh, than to offend one, just one of these uh, little ones. Another illustration would be that of John the Baptist. I want you to take your Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 11. I want to tell this story starting at the end and coming back. Uh, This is the Lord Jesus when he concludes the story about John the Baptist. He says in verse number 6, And blessed is he. I love that word blessed. The word blessed means happy, but it means two happies. It means happy, happy, or extra happy. Means double cheeseburger. Means not just a plain cheeseburger. It means a baconator. That's what that word blessed means right there. See, you already like it better, don't you? You're ready for lunch. And blessed is he, notice this, whosoever shall not be offended in me. There's the same that we see in Psalm 119, 165, where the Bible says, Great peace have they which love thy law, are assured in the words of God, and nothing shall offend them. Jesus says of John the Baptist, Blessed is he, uh, whosoever shall not be offended in me. Let me tell you about that story of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the greatest man of God to ever preach the truths of God, and Jesus said so. Jesus said that John the Baptist was the greatest preacher uh, to ever preach. Now, uh, John was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. That was the purpose uh, for which John was born. John is referred to as uh, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. 
His job, his responsibility was to point people to Jesus. I believe John's life is summarized by what he said in John 1 and verse number 29. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, hey folks, look, behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. John was the forerunner. There was no one as close or as near or dear to the Lord Jesus uh, than John the Baptist. In fact, their mothers uh, were friends. Their mother in the Bible uh, records their mothers uh, spending uh, time uh, together. Uh, Both of their births were miraculous uh, births and uh, those are wonderful stories. And John the Baptist is the forerunner of the Lord Jesus. Now, John was arrested because of his preaching that made Herod mad. In fact, John is in prison because he preached. In fact, the Bible says in Mark 6, 18, For John hath said unto Herod, It is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. I mean, he didn't preach about immorality and adultery. He looked right at the culprit and said, it isn't right. John ends up in prison. Uh, You know what happens. Uh, Rhodius' daughter, uh, she dances before the king, and he said, I'll give you anything you want. And she said, I'll tell you what I want. You know, John that's in the prison, I want his head on a charger. I want to see his head on a platter. She hated him because of his preaching. Take your Bible and go to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. Go down to verse number 19. Let's look at how this story here unfolds. John is now in prison. It will not be long until he is beheaded. And during the time that John is waiting execution. Now, Now let's think now. Let's think. Here's the forerunner of Christ. Their mothers are friends. They're excited about the coming birth of John the Baptist and then Jesus. They're born, they live, and they fulfill their purpose. And John, who is a forerunner of Christ, you think John would be blessed above men. If anybody would be blessed, it should be John. He is the forerunner of Jesus Christ. But rather than be blessed, John ends up in prison. John ends up and he's about to be executed and it appears that a time of doubt comes to John's mind and he wonders, is Jesus really the Christ? Have I given my life as a forerunner for an imposter? Is Jesus the Christ? How would you feel? How do we feel when we go through times of difficulty? Doesn't the devil tell all of us, if you had a God that loved you, you would never hurt. If you had a God that loved you, you would never have any problems. We're understanding now why Jesus said, blessed is he 
whomsoever is not offended in me. We feel as John felt sometimes, and the devil always works. By the way, the devil is the deceiver. He's the one that went into the garden and offended Eve or caused her to stumble. Uh, he is the one from the beginning of time that causes us to doubt the word of God. Remember, the purpose of the sermon is to understand great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them or cause them to stumble. Here's John. He's in prison. He's about to be headed, be beheaded, and he asks, is this really the Christ? Let's look at it. John, uh, Luke 7 and verse number 19. And John calling unto him two of his disciples sent them to Jesus saying, Art thou he that should come? Or look we for another? When the men were coming to him, they said, John the Baptist hath sent us unto thee, saying, They're asking Jesus, Art thou he that should come? Or do we look for another? And in that same hour, he cured many of their infirmities and plagues and of evil spirits and of many that were blind, he gave sight. Then Jesus answering said unto them, Go your way and tell John what things you have seen and heard, how that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, to the poor the gospel is preached, and blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. And when the messengers of John were departed, he began to speak unto the people concerning John. What went you out into the wilderness for to see? Did you go looking for a man, a reed shaken with the wind? But what went you out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment. Behold, they which are gorgeously apparelled and live delicately are in kings at courts. And what went you out for to see? A prophet, yea, I say unto you, and much more than a prophet, this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee and Jesus is telling the crowd I want you to know though John had a time of doubt and a time of question I want you to know that's more than a prophet that's the greatest preacher that ever walked on the planet earth and preached the truth and they took the words back to John and said Jesus we asked uh, and they said John we asked Jesus if he was a Christ and you know what he did we saw him he began to heal the sick he touched the blinded eyes and he made them to see. He made the deaf ears to hear and the dumb to speak and the crippled to walk. And no doubt John was, was assured in that prison cell and said, Hallelujah, he is the Christ. And peace came to John in the prison. Now wait a minute, peace comes to us when the devil comes and causes us to doubt in a time of sickness or a time of hurt, a time of tragedy. The old devil comes and said, if he loved you, you wouldn't hurt. If he loved you, you wouldn't have any problems. Thank God for the Holy Spirit, the messenger of the Lord Jesus that comes and reminds us of what the word of God says and says, don't forget the day of your salvation. Don't forget Calvary and the price that God paid giving his only begotten son that you could have eternal life and then we say it's true it's true Christ is the Savior the Bible is the word of God and in the wee hours of the morning many times as the Holy Spirit the messenger of God has brought us comfort of the Holy Spirit we run the old devil off and say praise God the Bible is true and God 
is God and Jesus is our Savior. You see, great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them or cause them to fall. And I'm going to say this morning in four different ways, I'm thankful for the peace that God gives when we decide to believe the word of God is true. Every time we see circumstances that would indicate that God is not real and the Bible is not true, it causes doubt and worry and concern. That's why we have to come to church on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night and be assured again of the preaching of the Word of God. The Bible is true. We go away from church saying, Wonderful it is. Great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. May I say, when you love the Word of God, situations can't make you stumble. Great peace have they which love thy law in difficult situation. Perhaps you're facing a situation of sickness. Perhaps you're facing a situation of hatred or, or, or difficulties among your family and friends or you're concerned about the situations of the power of men that would lead a nation and a world away from the truth. Here's how Paul said it. <clears throat> Philippians 1.12 the things which happened unto me. What's he talking about? I've been threatened, beaten, and thrown in prison. And he said this. The things which happened unto me have fallen out rather, rather for the furtherance of the gospel. You know what he was saying? If I hadn't been thrown in prison, I wouldn't have been able to preach the gospel to these prisoners. If I hadn't been accused, I wouldn't be able to stood before the king and give testimony that Jesus is Lord and the Savior of the world. But he said, what's happened to me? You see, he didn't complain. How did Paul have such a great peace? Great peace have they which love thy law. Assured his word is true. Doesn't matter what the circumstances are, God is in control. We are on the winning side. So when we decide to love the Word of God, we have peace in all situations. May I say, second of all, scholars cannot make us stumble. Not only situations, but scholars cannot make us stumble. Now, it, it, it's, it's, it's hilarious to me that men study the Bible 20, 25, 30 years and think they have more wisdom than the one that wrote it. And the effort they give to explain away the word of God. My purpose today is not to explain it away, but to say if God said it, I believe it. I may not understand it all. I may not can comprehend it all. But if God said it, it's true. Scholars have hurt the minds of young men about the word of God for many years. Some have said, for example, when the children of Israel came across uh, the Jordan, it was a time when the Jordan River uh, was, uh, uh, it was at a time when the Jordan River was low. Uh, some said the same about the Red Sea, and they crossed at a time that anybody could cross. And uh, one young man said, well, I don't understand then. If it was so low, why uh, Pharaoh and his army, all of them drowned in that low water. This morning, we talked about the miracle of the fish and the bread. Five loaves and two fishes. One scholar tried to explain it away, saying that those were big fish and big loaves of bread. So the miracle in that story was how one little lad drug two wells and five loaves of bread a mile long each into that day. 
I want to tell you something. I don't have to understand it to believe it. If God said it, I believe it. This crowd today that says, well, we follow the science. Now, a crowd that can't tell the difference in a rooster and a hen, I don't want them teaching my science class. I love this story. In a southern seminary, a young man studying the Word of God was given an assignment. The following day, he would stand in front of the class and he would define the word grace. This young man had been saved by the grace of God, but he felt he didn't have the words to describe exactly what it was. So the young man went to his father and he said, Father, tomorrow I have to stand in front of my class and define the word grace. Dad, could you help me to describe and define the word grace? He said, Son, I don't understand everything about it, but I know this. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Son, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I don't understand it all, but I know I can see now. I don't understand it all, but I'm found now. Hearing all his father had to say, the young man wasn't completely satisfied, so naturally he went to his mother and he said, Mom, tomorrow I stand in front of my class in school and I'm supposed to define the word grace. His mother looked at her son, tears in her eyes as she thought about the grace of God, and she said, Son, I, I don't think I could explain it all, but she began to sing the second verse that says, "'Twas grace that taught." My, thought, my, my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved how precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed the next day the young man returned to class and the professor asked him son I want you to stand in front of the class and I want you to define the word grace he rose to his feet with the spirit of the Lord in his heart and he said yes sir today I know exactly what the meaning of the word grace is. He began to sing the third verse of that song through many dangers, toils, and snares. I have already come. Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far and grace will lead me home. For that all of the young men in class that stood and they sang with the young man on the last verse when we've been there 10,000 years bright shining as the sun we've no less days to sing God praise than when we first begun. You see, the Bible tells us from the beginning to the end, and the psalmist summarized it when he said, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. When you go through difficult situations and you believe God, you'll not stumble at the situation. You'll not fall at the situation. You may not can explain it all, but you can say, I don't know how I made it other than to say, I made it by God's amazing grace. When you face a scholar that thinks he knows more uh, than the God who wrote uh, the Bible uh, himself and they try to bring doubt, uh, great peace have they which love thy law and a scholar will not offend them. I want to say number three, sovereigns can't make us stumble. I'm glad what the Bible says, the king's heart 
is in the hand of the Lord. And as the rivers of water, he turneth, turneth it whithersoever he will. Well, I look at government right now, and you want to get discouraged and confused. Take a look at government today. The hatred that is growing toward Christianity. The rumors that we hear of the work of the IRS and of the agents working to put a stop to churches. And we've already seen what government has attempted to do from local governments to federal governments to stop and keep the church from having services. And on and on I could go. And sometimes we get concerned about that. And we wonder what in the world is going to happen if our government ever comes to the place uh, that they uh, try to take away our freedom is God still in control friend can I tell you something great peace have they which love thy law nothing will cause them to stumble I don't have to be afraid of the king I don't have to be afraid of the president I don't have to be afraid of the governor I don't have to be afraid of the accusers great peace have they which love thy law I got an email this week from a friend of mine that's working in a communist closed country. And in that email, he told me how many churches that he'd been blessed to start. And he said when Sunday rolls around, hundreds and even thousands in that closed communist country, though they won't have a building beside the road with a big sign in front telling everybody that's where the church is, he said, they will all meet underground, but some of those buildings and rooms, they get so full that they start another church because they can't get in the building. And he said, those churches are growing. And may I say, the sovereigns of the world, and we saw it in our study on the crucifixion of Christ, when the sovereigns of the world think they're in control, God sends a reminder. And while this morning I can't explain to you how it will all happen, I can't tell you exactly what God's going to do. I do know this, that God is still on the throne and there is not an earthly king anywhere that can either even slow, let alone stop the will of God. And I say, last of all, sinners can't make us stumble. Our world is filled with sin and temptation. All the wickedness abounds. Even those that claim to be conservative promote the sin of the world. I wish they would investigate the death of those and advertise the death of those that died because of alcohol like they do those that die of COVID. Tell us who it is that sold them to drink. Tell us who it is that gave them the liquor to drink. Mr. Governor was bold enough to call my name personally and publicly and say, that church, he said, and I, I quote, the governor said, he said he could keep his people healthy, but he couldn't. I didn't say that. I didn't say that at all. Publicly critical, my name and the church's name. Mr. Governor, tell us who gave the boy the liquor, 18 years old over here, that drowned in his own drink. But great peace have they which love thy law. And a sinner can't cause the saint to stumble when he trusts in the word of God. Some are convinced we need more alcohol, more gambling in order to make our 
uh, to get the money that the government needs to operate. It acted, it acted like it was a big concern that government might close. I was all excited thinking maybe they would close down. Here's how the psalmist said it in Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Don't get on the bandwagon of the majority. Have faith in the book. Great peace have they which love thy law and nothing will cause them to stumble or fall. Nothing shall offend them. You're not going to spend 10 hours watching the news this week, 10 minutes reading your Bible and expect to have great peace. But I promise you, if you'll limit what the crowd, the science crowd has to say, unless you watch it for cartoons, if you'll limit that, but if you'll read this book right here, you'll find great peace of they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Stand with me if you will. I say this morning, love his book. Love the law of God. You don't have to understand it to believe it. Just have faith in it. In just a moment, he's going to sing the invitation song. There are Christians this morning that you're living in fear and doubt. You ought to find a place at this altar and say, God, help me. To decide to just have faith in your word, no matter what the circumstances are. There are folks getting baptized. If you want to step out of your seat and come forward right now, you can do that as I pray. Heavenly Father.